0: Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message.
1: And I think it's apropos where we're at in the Scriptures. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at 16 through 28. And I've entitled this message, How a Nation Should Function we see the growing problems in the United States and around the world. And what we want to look at today is how Israel was established as a nation. And this is during the Exodus. This is the night before they're going to leave. And the death angel is going to come uh, later that evening. And they've applied the, the blood on the doors and whatnot. But God is actually instructing Israel... What it's gonna, what they're gonna look like as a nation and how they should function as a nation. Now, this is a key understanding about all this. Because what I want you to see is you're gonna see the principles from what he did with Israel, and I wanna bridge it to the principles that the way the United States was founded and how those, those foundational principles are being attacked. And it's at a very core, fundamental level. That all of us can understand and we can actually still continue to apply. But let's step back a little bit and understand what's happening in America. We definitely have been talking about that we're in the last days and things have been uh, not as they should. And we understand what's ahead of us. We understand that we're at a crossroads in our nation. And whether or not we're going to decide to stay with our Judeo-Christian values, or we are going to go full-blown Marxism-Communism. And that's what's at stake. That's what no one wants to talk about. But it is the reality in which we're in. And then again, to to intentionally cast some stones uh, uh, at our society. And you know this very well. we got people who have changed Judeo-Christian morality from being moral to immoral and subverted that by saying, no, right is wrong and wrong is right. It's an upside-down world mor- morally that we live in. So much so that we see Netflix promoting uh, kitty porn through their streaming device on TVs. And then when they're called on it, how does Netflix respond? The, the CEO, Ted Sarandos, says, I don't understand what all the commotion's about. This is just a little surprising in 2020 that America would be having this discussion, uh censoring storytelling. No, dude, it's about kitty porn, which is illegal. But see, in his head, and the other nut jobs in Hollywood think that's okay. I mean, what's next in Hollywood? What's next? Every show you see has gross immorality in it. Every show is now dealing with transgender and gender dysphoria now. And this is the new thing that kids need to explore. I'm waiting for them to change Star Wars now into a transgender Star Wars. And all of a sudden, we have everybody changing characters. Or maybe they'll do Lord of the Rings and change the elves into transgender elves and say they have gender dysphoria. No joke, man. I mean, I don't know what's next. I mean, you could be seeing this as something that's real because of nothing's left off the table, man. Facts don't matter anymore. Have you noticed that in our society? That's when the society gets away from truth, when facts don't matter. It's a matter of how do you feel about this is now the, the motto. And so now... The World Health Organization, which is the organization that all these politicians listen to, say the shutdowns don't work. Thank you very much. For everybody that has been unemployed since March, all the churches shut down, all the businesses that went out of business, and now the World Health Organization, which is nothing but a bunch of communists, they're saying that no, the shutdowns don't work. And yet, Gavin Newsom, Farrell Newsom, still wants to shut down California. Why? Your own organization saying it doesn't work. Your own own medical, the CDC says the numbers are not there for you to shut down society. And by the way, there's plenty of evidence now that the masks absolutely don't work because they have now realized the coronavirus is airborne. And the masks that people wear let air in and they don't work. So why are we doing these things? Because the nation is being ran on not facts and evidence, but on a narrative. And we see how vitriolic these people are becoming. Have you noticed how bad people are acting? And they're on TV and they're in a news program and they just go crazy and they just, just spew out their venom. Think about this, this last week when Amy Coney Barrett is going through her hearings for, you know, becoming a Supreme Court member. And you have Maisie Hirono of Hawaii coming out. Now, Amy Coney Barrett is about as constitutional as you can get. You want this this woman on the Supreme Court, man. She is phenomenal, and she's clean morally. There's nothing they could get on her. She's very intelligent. So they did to her what only evil people do, is when they don't have anything on you, just going to make stuff up. And so this Hirono from Hawaii asked her the question, well, uh, have you ever been involved in ever, any sexual assault? Have you ever been to a job interview? And your bo- the boss, potential employer says, by the way, have you ever raped anybody? I mean, seriously, who says that? Because they were trying to insinuate that, like they did with Kavanaugh. But This is at the level. Did you see Keith Overman go crazy this week? The dude lost it, Along with these other people that are losing it. And they just can't stop ranting and raving and getting hostile. Have you seen that they cannot control their mouths anymore? I mean, the cussing that comes from them on TV. They're not even worried about being censored anymore. They just flat out say it. And when you start seeing that, you're starting to see demonically influenced people. Ends justify the means now. That's the way our country is now moving into. So if you want to take something from a store, then bust through. Go through the window and take and loot and steal what you want because we have a lawless society. So if you want a Louis Vuitton purse and you want it, then go ahead and get it. That's lawlessness. Now apparently the American flag is offensive to people. Did you hear that? Wave a flag and it's a microaggression. Can you ever thought we would get to the day where the, the powder puffs of our society cannot take you waving the American flag or even having the American flag on your house waving because, you know, it, it, it's, it's a microaggression. It's offensive or whatnot. Did you see this? What happened in LA this this last week too? Guy on his own private private property puts up a Trump sign. It's his own private property. I don't care what sign it is. He can put any sign he wants on on his property because this is private property. Okay. And again, I, I'm not even concerned about the politicalness. I'm talking about freedom here. That on my house, I can have the, the right to put on any sign I want to, and so can my neighbor, or any, and you too. But Caltrans that says, no, that's distracting. You're going to get people killed. And so the, the head person who made this decision, her name is Wonder. Uh, yeah, like Wonder Woman. So Wonder says this will distract drivers and kill them. So she had Caltrans take that down. I hope this guy sues Caltrans for that. You have a right, you don't have a right to come on my property and take down whatever sign I have. But see, this is where America's at. Your rights are being diminished. We understand. And then the social conditioning that's happening, it's been happening for all these months of you gotta wear a mask to go into a restaurant. Now Gavin Newsom wants you to wear a mask the whole time and only lift up the mask as you're putting the food in your mouth. And, and every time you take a you bite, you're to do this. If I start seeing people in there, I'm just gonna walk out in the restaurants. If they start doing that, it's ridiculous. I'm waiting for Gavin Newsom to propose, you can never take the mask off a hundred, a hundred percent, and so we're gonna, now gonna put your food in an IV, and we're gonna stream it to your arm, and that way you never take off the mask. I'm just waiting for this bozo to do that, because this is the level of thinking of this guy, right? And so, I don't know what to expect. Hey, did you hear about the new haunted house that's really raging? You know, it's Halloween time and people like to go to scary homes and, and, uh, or scary, uh, these, I don't know what you call them. These, like these mazes and stuff, haunted mansions that they make and it's real scary. You know what the new rage is today? It, everyone wants to go to it. It's a, it's, it's a haunted mansion and inside, are regular people with no masks. Yes, it's called the murder mansion. And so you go through it and there's no one wearing a mask. Doesn't that scare you? I'm just joking, that's satire. There they are. Look how scary that is. I watched some dude freak out at a Sully's the other day. I was in there getting some coffee, and the guy was freaking out because other people weren't wearing a mask. Don't these people know how serious we're all going to die? And it's like, dude, do you ever read any stats? Do you even understand the information? But he was going crazy, and he was getting on the poor clerk behind the the, the counter. And it was just like, he was freaking out. But see, that's the, the problem. We have wrong information being put out. So much so that now you see censorship coming from Twitter and Facebook, holding back stories, holding back information, shutting down Christian organizations. I wonder if they're going to shut this one down. Did you know that Bill Gates, that, that the Columbia, let me see if I get this right, the Columbia Journalism Review uncovered that Bill Gates has been giving $250 million to media outlets to shape the story of the coronavirus. I thought he was a good guy. <laughs> the dude is evil. We knew it from day one. And now it's coming out. He's giving all kinds of money to, to change mainstream journalism for global health reasons. Oh my goodness, do we have problems or what? Now I give you that just to show you that we're in some serious problems here. Now, what you're going to learn from Exodus as we unpack it is that God is setting up a nation and he's saying, this is the way your nation should run and not run. And what you and I are going to do is look at what he's established with Israel and this is what I want you to do. I want you to apply that to America. I want you to look at how America was framed, how it was founded, because our founding fathers did base a lot of what we are, our Judeo-Christian background, on what God did with Israel. Okay? And then I want you to make an evaluation on it. Okay? Because here's the key to understand all of this. Information and correct information is critical to a nation. Anytime a nation gets away from the truth, facts, evidence, and slips into postmodern relative truth, you're gonna lose your nation. And so we'll see that today when what God does with Israel. So let's start in chapter twelve, verse sixteen, and unpack this a little bit. Verse sixteen says this on the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them. And that's the key phrase I want to focus in on. And again, I focused a lot last time on the, the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so I'm not going to unpack that a lot today. That's in the last sermon. But notice the last phrase. I don't want you working, basically, on these two days. It's a seven-day holiday, so the first and the seventh day will be no work. Now, this will lead in eventually to these feast days not having... Uh, you can't work on some of these feast days... And nor eventually can Israel work on the Sabbath. And that will be established with the Ten Commandments later on. Okay. The principle, though, not the law, the principle that you want to take from this is why did God tell them not to work on these particular days? And I want you to see the principle in this and how we've gotten away from it. When he told them not to work, what God's intention was is to focus... Israel on the theological ideas behind the feast, behind the day of why they can't work. And so they were to reflect on it. So even at home, they were not supposed to do any work at home. So I know a lot of people, they don't have their job, but then on on their days off, they still work that whole day. And that's not what Israel was required to do. They were to shut down completely so they can focus solely on the feast day, and the theology behind that. Now, let me bridge it over a little bit today. I want you to think about something, what's happened to American holidays. Think about Veterans Day. Think about Memorial Day. Think about Fourth of July. Then go to the Christian holidays of Christmas and Resurrection Day. I want you to think about this in a general concept. What are those days supposed to do? Thanksgiving's coming up. We establish as a nation the holiday of Thanksgiving to thank who? God. Let me ask you this question about thank. Do most people know that Thanksgiving is about thanking God? No, they do not. If you ask them about what Christmas is in most of the general conversations, most people say, well, it's a time of getting together with family and your loved ones and showing the holiday spirit. Is that what Christmas is about? No, it's about the birth of the Messiah. And then you move to Easter, and they get that one wrong. They think it's about bunnies and eggs and stuff. And it's about the resurrection of the Messiah. But then in a more patriotic idea, most people don't know why they're barbecuing on Memorial Day. They don't. They think 4th of July is just about a barbecue and lighting fireworks off or whatnot. Do you see what's happened in American history? We have ceased to remember what America stands for. What Judeo-Christian ethics stand for. Even in our own holidays, most Americans are not celebrating them correctly. And again, these are not God-given holidays or anything like that that we're so self- I'm just making a point in principle. So that was the first concept. You, you needed to know theologically why I'm shutting you down. The second thing is to understand that you, Israel, are not slaves. Now, what does that mean? See, they come out of Egypt, they're slaves. Slaves don't have a day off. So, when he gets them on their own as a nation, he's saying, I'm going to tell you you're not slaves, you're free people, and therefore, you're not going to work on one day. In fact, the Passover later on will be a... You know how they're, they're, they're standing up to take care of the Passover right now in Exodus... But later on, when they're in the land, they will actually observe the Passover in a reclining situation. And we know Jesus was reclining because John, as they they laid across the table, we know that John was laying in the chest of the Messiah. That meant they were laying around the the, the dinner on the floor like that. That reclining position was to tell Israel, you're never going to be a slave again. Now, bridge it over theologically. As a Christian, you have been freed from from sin and death. You are no longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to your sin nature. You have been set free. Therefore, what God wants you to do in your Sabbath rest, which is the Messiah himself, is to realize that you are never, ever, to put yourself into slavery to anyone, anything, and even the proclivities in your life. You're only a slave to God, and that's it. So what's happened in America is these jokers have come in and made Americans slaves to other things. Most Americans are slaves to materialism. They're slaves to their jobs. They're slaves to their proclivities. And now even on the political social scale, they are making Americans slaves to the government. And you know how that's happening? Because the government is giving them freebies in exchange for their vote. So people are giving up their freedom to get something from the government. And then they will vote for that candidate that gets them the most freedom. Benjamin Franklin warned against this. He said, when the American people figure out that they can vote themselves money, the system is gone. The system is over. And so we now see slaves to the government. They're creating a nanny state, aren't they? On purpose. Israel, as an individual, was never, ever to put themselves into bondage or slavery. Because that's what they were freed from. What is the hallmark of American society, which is based on Judeo-Christian ethics? It's freedom. They hate our freedom. The rest of the world envies us for our freedom. Please understand what we have here. We have people who are wanting to take away that freedom and think that they're so smart with their Ivy League educations that they're going to tell us what to do and what to think. No. God established Israel. You are to be free, and I'm going to commemorate that with a day off. Let's go further than that. Having a day off for Israel was to strengthen familial ties, was to bond their families together, They focus in on themselves and their families because the bedrock of a society, according to the Bible, is the nuclear family. If you destroy the nuclear family, you will not have a society. But yet, according to Hillary Clinton, she says it takes a village to raise a child. Wrong. That's evil to say that. It takes a mom and a dad to raise a child. That's what it comes down to. And so right now in America... This idea of the nuclear family being being sacred has now been under attack. It's totally under attack in every other way you can possibly imagine. It's under attack in education because John Dewey said, we've got to get the kids away from their parents. Well, they're doing a real good job at that in the public schools. They keep extending the day of public school. It takes longer and longer and longer. They go there at 7.30. They're out at 3.00. Do you know how long that is? They don't need that kind of time. Why do they keep doing it? Because the intention is to pull the kid away from the parent. And then the attack on the assault of of, of nuclear families is also seen with the the rise of sexual immorality. Look at how many people are birthed without their parents being married. Look at at all the the, uh, division that the sexual revolution is causing in the marital families. Pornography divides a family. Sexual immorality divides a family. It all breaks up the family. It's all intentional. Homosexuality. Lesbian. You can't adequately raise a child in that kind of environment. Transgenderism. All that is an attack on the nuclear family. Because God says the nuclear family is the basis of your society. And what's under attack today in America? The nuclear family. One more thing, and this is a biggie, about taking a day off for these feast days, is it gave Israel not only a time to think theologically, but it gave them the time to think of their identity, who they were. Now, for instance, to understand our identity in Christ, you must understand these three principles. You must understand where you come from. You must understand where you're at, and you must understand where you're going. Your identity in Christ will tell you this, if you know your identity. But if you don't know your identity, you will be lost. So what God did when they, they took a day off for these feast days, is he forced Israel to think about what he had done for them in the past, what he is doing in the present, and what he will do for them in the future. So for instance, take the Feast of Passover or Unleavened Bread. They were to remember they were slaves in Egypt and where they came from and that God rescued them. Then, in the present, it obligated them with responsibilities about what they were supposed to do as parents to their children and to pass that information on. And then, future-wise, it projected a future fulfillment of the Passover and unleavened bread. That future fulfillment would would be the Messiah and it would be the kingdom age. It all pointed forward that one day we're going to have a new creation. One day we'll have the, the king on the throne. He will be our Passover lamb. He will be unleavened bread because he has no sin in him. It all pointed to the Messiah and the future for the Israelites. Now think about how important that is. Today, most people don't know if they're coming or going. They have no idea about their identity. That's why you have all these people joining up with slogans every month. It's a flavor of the month slogan. I'm for this. I'm for that. I'm for this. And they have no clue that they're being led around with a carrot. James talks about it being tossed to and fro, like the waves of the wind, by every crazy doctrine that comes along. These people just passing through because they don't know where they come from, what they're doing, and where they're going. In fact, most people are getting their voting advice from Taylor Swift. I mean, think about this. No joke, dude. People are getting their advice about life through Hollywood and the record industry or the music industry. Think about that. How insane that would be. And no joke, man, they are listening to people like her and people in Hollywood saying stuff. That's nuts. It would be a cold day in hell before I listen to anyone in Hollywood tell me what to do with my life. That's crazy. Who does that? But our society is doing it. For some reason, do you know when this happened? Because I can't figure out the time that this happened. When did Hollywood and the music industry, when did they become so moral in telling us what to do. When did that happen? Because all of a sudden, you know, these people can tell us what is right and wrong all of a sudden. I don't know about you, but I'm not listening to them anymore at all. They don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, we continue on. Those are the principles about taking a day off, but continue on. Watch this. But that which everyone must eat that only may be prepared by you. Now that's a simple sentence, but a, a profound principle. You have to go through personally the preparations in making your dinner, in making this Passover, making this Feast of Unleavened Bread. You are to go out and do it yourself. You can't do a call in, you can't do takeout, you can't have someone do it for you, or nor can you skip this. I want the individual family doing this. I want every one of them doing this to make the preparations. Why? Why can't we just go to a big, a big, uh, uh, you know, auditorium or Solomon's Colonnade, God, and, and just have the big feast of Passover there and the feast of unleavened bread right there in the, the temple? Why does it have to be in the home and the individual family must do it? No one gets a pass on that. It's a simple principle, but I'm going to tell you what. It is the foundation of a nation. It's called identification. Identification. By having each individual family go through the Passover, go through the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they are now, when they do it, actually identifying with the original founders of the nation, Moses and the children of Israel in the Exodus, as they partake of the Supper as they eat the bitter herbs, as they eat the Passover lamb, they are actually experiencing the same thing. What does that do for a nation? It gives a nation solidarity. It gives a nation identity. It gives a nation their theology. And because of that, the Jewish nation is extremely cohesive. They might have differing political views in Israel, but I can tell you this today. When a five-year-old or a four-year-old wants to cross the street in Jerusalem, because they're such a tight-knit group, that little five-year-old or four-year-old will grab the hand of another Jewish adult, and that Jewish adult will take them across the street, and they don't even know who they are, because they're Jewish. The solidarity that's been bred into them by the Lord is that children can play in the streets and no one will hurt them. In fact, other people will protect them. Their Jewish community is so tight. It's really amazing to see when you watch it. And why? Because every one of them has each other's back. Every one of them knows what it is to be persecuted. Every one of them had ancestors that were in the Holocaust. And because of that, and that solidarity with the feasts, they are so tight with each other. You could trust a mere stranger if they were Jewish and you're Jewish to watch your kids and they will die for your kids. Isn't that amazing? We don't see a lot of that in other countries, do we? We used to see some of that in America. We used to be able to let our kids play out in the parks by themselves. Can't do that now because some idiot will kidnap them. Some pervert that's on Megan's law will get to them. So we always have to be afraid. We live in a fearful society because people are unhinged. There's no cohesion. There's no solidarity. And so this identity that God has established is still with them today. It's absolutely a miracle. Now, think about this in America. There is probably half or the majority of America that does not identify with our roots They hate the Constitution, they hate the Judeo-Christian principles America's founded on, and they are trying to attempt to change America to fit their ungodly and atheistic and agnostic mindset. This is the battle, folks. And that being said, the schools, the universities, the, the, the media, the Hollywood, everybody, the politicians have done a great job of convincing the millennials and the earlier generations and even my generation of not identifying with their own country. In fact, it's gotten so bad in the universities that they hate our country. And and by the way, it's been very successful in what they did. Do you see the principle of identification and how important it is? Because if you lose identification with your own country then you leave a vacuum and someone will fill the vacuum and do you know what's being filled right now it's not that you're just going to hate america and hate nationalism hate patriotism and hate the flag it's not just it doesn't stay there do you know what the next level is the next level and we know prophecy wise is that they're they're introducing globalism into these kids minds that you need to be a good global citizen, not loyal to your country, not loyal to your borders. You need to be a world citizen. So now you have the Pope coming out and saying, you know what? The, every land is anyone's land. And so if you have someone in India that wants the goods and resources of America, then they should have the freedom to take the goods and resources from America. It reminds me of that communist song that they always play in patriotic um, times. And it's a communist song. This land is your land, this land is my land. You ever heard that song? It was written by a communist. This land is not everyone's land. Sorry, but why do they keep playing that at patriotic events? There was a communist of this land is your land, my land. Oh, no, 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 we don't own a common land. There's private property in America. Private rights. but see, the Pope says, no, no, you should be able to take whatever you want from anything. So I guess I could go over to the Vatican, since they have a lot of money, according to the Pope, you know, and I, their their wealth is unlimitless, and I should be able to dip my hand in the treasury of the Vatican and say, this money doesn't belong to you, you didn't earn it. Uh, I, I'm just going to take some because this land is your land and my land. I should be able to take from the Pope in the Vatican, right? Oh, I guess it doesn't work that way, it's just a one-way street, right? Look at the next thing. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Now wait a second. Time out. Notice all these little things that are thrown in there. The armies of Israel. What are you talking about? Israel doesn't have an army at this point. They're just a people group. There's about two million of them, but they have not formed an army. But they will come out of the Exodus in two million They will go into the, into the desert. They will receive the Mosaic law, the the law, the 613 laws. And then once they get that and understand what it is to be a holy nation, guess what the Lord plunges them into? A fight. What? Yeah. He saves them from Egypt so that not only can they be a priestly nation unto the Lord, but also to fight for the Lord. So as you know, you know the rest of the story, Moses tries to take him in there and says, "Look, boys, we got to do a reconnaissance. You come back, tell me what's going on because we're going to go and attack and get the squatters out of the land. Because all the, the whole time the Israel's been out of the land, there have been squatters put in there by Satan and other things. There's giants in the land, there's anakim, nephilim, all kinds of hybrids going on. It's it's a zoo, okay? It's a zoo. Ten of the spies come back and said, you know what, there's Nephilim, there's giants in the land, we can't do it. I'm bowing out, we're gonna, I, I'm, I'm good with wandering in the desert and not attacking. Joshua and Caleb, the only ones say, no, we can do it. Okay, that generation believes the ten spies and, and, and therefore they don't go in. And so that, that generation's cursed to wander in the desert until they die for 40 years. And then eventually Joshua takes the rest in, and what do they do? They cross Jordan and they start fighting. Boom, boom, first fight, Jericho. After that, you're going from city to city, fighting. AI. Then you go to Hazor. And then you're you're just taking down cities, driving the people out. Now, what is that a picture of? It's historical. It's what God wanted them to do. But there's a spiritual lesson behind all of this. In the same token, in the same typology, you were saved. You came to faith in Christ, you believed, and you were given redemption, and now you're saved. But your job is not to sit there and wander in the desert and eat manna and water the rest of your life. Your job is eventually to cross Jordan. That's Romans 12, 1 through 2. Cross Jordan, make a one-time decision that you will go into spiritual maturity, and you will get in the fight with all of us. And start fighting spiritually, is what I mean. What do you mean by that? Well, think about the war that's happening now. We need you in the battle. We don't need anyone wandering in the desert saying, Hey, I'm good on manna. No, no, no. We go into the promised land and we got Jericho ahead of us. And then we got Ai. And then we got Hazor. We got to go through all this. In our personal life, this is what you will be called to do. You'll be called to a fight. And that's why God references the armies for Israel. Spiritually, a lot of the fights are going to happen internally. Did you know that? It's not just to the outside. You're going to have the fights on the inside. The old ways of Egypt will be in the Israelites, won't it? And they will pine, remember, they will pine to Moses, I wish we were back in Egypt where we had the leeks and the onions. You remember them saying that? And so it's like, dude, did you forget the whips on your back? Did you forget that? We will have an internal fight With wanting to go back to Egypt. Wanting to go back to our old ways of doing things. And we will have to overcome. That's the spiritual lesson that he's teaching Israel. Let's continue on. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. It'll be carried into the millennial kingdom as I mentioned last time. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening. You've got to do it on this period of time, at evening, okay? Okay? You shall eat the unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Again, I'm not going to unpack a lot of this because I did last sermon. What Moses is doing is is reiterating the same issue again. Um, But again, remember, the the Feast of Unleavened Bread points to the sinlessness of the Messiah. For leaving Egypt, it pointed to them leaving in haste. That they didn't have uh, time to let the leaven uh, work through the dough. So... There's a historical thing, and then there's a future thing pointed to the leaven. Verse 19, for seven days no leaven shall be found in your house, houses, since whoever eats what is leaven, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Now, as I mentioned last time, this meant that you were to clean your house of leaven, which symbolizes sin, and then you can't eat it. But if you do not do this, capital punishment will be issued on you for not doing that. So that's how serious of a consequence it was to not do this. But here's where I want to draw your attention. I explained that last week, but here's where I want to draw your attention. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. Think about that from a theological standpoint. God says the Jews are going to do this, but any stranger that wants to get incorporated to Israel can participate in this and it's referring to Gentiles, people like me. The Gentiles are invited in, but can the Gentile just do anything he wants to do? Celebrate it any way he wants to celebrate it? No. According to the Mosaic Law, and what you're seeing right here is, if a stranger wants to be part of Israel, they must do the same thing as the Israelis and there's a word for this. They must accept the values, accept the morals, accept the ways of life, and, they, and participate in the holidays that I prescribe. Otherwise, they cannot stay. I want you to think, as far as a nation is concerned, why God did that. It prevented other world views from coming into Israel, other lines of thought from coming into Israel, and messing up the solidarity and the theology of Israel and the nation itself. If you want to break up the nation, the way to do it is introduce other thought patterns and let them exist. Bridge it over. Our founding fathers said, without Christianity as the basis of morality in the United States... If we ever get away from that, we will crumble. Because the system of government that we have, which is based on the Bible, which is based on the sinfulness of man, and that you can't cure the sinfulness of man, all you can do is control it by checks and balances. Because man is sinful, and if you give him absolute power, he will turn absolutely crazy. They said if the only way this is going to work is if the American people are moral. If the American people stop being moral, the whole system will crumble down. Now, are they wanting that to crumble down? Of course they do. For what? A Marxist utopia. But here's what's going to happen. And I told you this last week. You introduce chaos into the system through immorality. The immorality starts breaking down the system. And then the system turns into utilitarianism. And then from utilitarianism and basically chaos going all crazy, everybody doing what they want to do and and, and whatnot, then you need a strong man to come in and then control the whole situation and get control of the chaos. And if we're in the last days... What's going to come from all this chaos is not going to be just a dictator over the United States, which they're, they want to do. It will be the ultimate dictator, the ultimate man with a plan that can arrest all the chaos. We know him as the beast, the Antichrist. And the whole world's in chaos and you watch. And we'll be raptured out of here, but watch how the world is setting itself up for the ultimate dictator. It's amazing how it's happening. It's happening right in front of our very eyes. Continue on. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat uh, unleavened bread. And again, they have to do this for the whole feast of unleavened bread for seven days. Verse 24, And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. So today, you can see the modern Jews practicing the same thing they did that goes all the way back to Moses. Every year they do it. It's never stopped. Now here's something interesting. Let's continue on. This is where one of the points I want to highlight and use for an application. Verse 25. It shall come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. Verse 26. And this is the highlight. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? Now, now what's there? I want you to notice it is the children asking questions. I want you to notice that the children are asking the right question. I want you to hang on that just a second. I want you to think about it. The children are not asking wrong questions. The children are asking the right questions. And the question is, why are we doing this? Why do we celebrate that? There's something bigger than meets the eye there. When kids, young adults, teenagers ask the right questions, then it's a guarantee that something's happening with the mom and dad. Okay? Hold on to that. Verse 27. This is what the parents are to reply as. That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. You know what that right is? That, that right, right there? That is called parental responsibility in communicating the theology and the history. To the children. And we really want you to think about this. The reason the children are asking the right questions is because the parents are giving them the right information. Right information causes people to ask the right questions. Wrong information causes them to ask all the wrong questions. Let me give you an example. The question from most young adults, the question from most teenagers, the question from most 20s and 30-year-olds to America is this. They don't say, what is my responsibility as an American? (laughs) I would almost faint if I heard that from one of these people. The question they ask is, what are my rights? How much vacation time do I get at this job? How many days off? Do I have to work 40 hours? What is that about? They have not been taught properly from the Bible, obviously, where whatever your hand finds to do, you do it with all your might, 100%, and work as unto the Lord as with Jesus. No matter if you're a ditch digger or you're a neurosurgeon, you do it with all your might and you do it 100%. No laziness. You're not looking for outs. But this generation is asking all the wrong questions because what they've been told in schools and universities and colleges is that they're a wonder kind and they're so special and they're so wonderful that, you know, even though they get asked, they're just still wonderful. And wow, we're just blessed to have you with us. And, and boy, you know, I know you haven't accomplished anything, but let me give you a trophy for you being so special. When you give the wrong information to a child like that... ...building up an ego in which they don't accomplish anything... ...guess what you get? Entitlement. We have a whole generation of Americans who are flat out entitled. They think the government exists to help them. The government, according to our founders, was never a government... ...made to be a charitable organization the government wields the sword for the law to reward the just and punish the wicked. The government, by the biblical definition, does not exist to give handouts. And that's what they messed up about our government as it speaks today. That being the case, do you see how wrong information makes people ask the wrong questions? I'll, I'll expand on that in just a little bit. Let's finish this off. We're going to jump to chapter 13. I'm going to add, because this adds a little bit more uh, information. So let me jump to uh, 13. Verse 8. And you shall tell your son in that day, this is done because of the Lord. Notice what the phrase is. Notice this. What the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. Now, wait a second, that's in the first person. So if I'm a Jewish person reading this today, you were to use the first person. The Lord did this for me when I was in Egypt, and he did this and that for me when I was there. That's curious. The Jew was supposed to put themselves in the shoes of the israelites back in egypt and again what is it reiterating the same thing i talked to you about identification here's what every american needs to do they need to think about what our ancestors did in breaking us away from britain's tyranny in the revolutionary war then the americans need to think about how many soldiers were lost to end slavery in america then they need to know through World War I and World War II how we fought these axes of evil and then eventually allowed Israel to become a nation again in 1948. They need to think about the Korean War and the Vietnam and the Iraqi War and the long Afghanistan War and understand that people spilt their blood for a nation. And therefore, they need to put themselves in their shoes of the families who lost people. Then they would start understanding what America's about. But they refuse to identify with the fallen soldiers. They refuse it. They think it's some type of game. They don't even teach it in high school anymore. It sickens me that these high, these high school history teachers or even these college professors would turn or twist or slant American history. Some of these guys don't even teach World War II. All they teach is that we drop the bomb on Japan and don't even say why. I mean, what, what's that about, right? They don't even talk about the Holocaust. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about us liberating France and all the other countries from Nazi Germany and defeating Nazi Germany. They don't even talk about that stuff. I wonder why. I saw a shirt the other day. I thought it was good. I almost bought it. I should buy it. And it said this. You're an American, act like one. And I thought mm, that's good. I'm going to get that shirt. I want one of those too, right? Amen. <laughs> hey, Let's do some application. The application in it is the kids asking the right question. Okay, the kids asking the right question, and they only ask that because the parents are giving them the right information. Okay. One of our jobs, our main job as a parent or a grandparent is to pass on the baton of faith to our kids, to make sure they have the right information that can help them deal with this world. Now, this is a very difficult world. This is not like growing up in the 30s and the 40s and 50s. This is a whole new level that our kids are facing. Who would think transgenderism? I mean, that's what they're dealing with, okay? They're dealing with uh, school officials that are teaching sexual ed to kindergartners. okay? So, as a parent, or grandparent, you have to be all over this. You have to know apologetics. You have to know how to argue. You have to know how to talk to people. This is not something that you can sit back and watch this happen and sit on the sidelines. It requires the parents and the grandparents to be actively involved in communicating right information. So, guess what? The new obligation for Christian parents is not only the theological and historical understandings of the Bible, but if you live in America, you better make sure they get the right history. Because they're not getting the right one. Not in the schools. They're getting something totally different. You better be on top of sexual education for your kids. And you probably have to figure out, they're going to start getting my kid at at, at kindergarten and second and third grade. Well, you better be on top of that. So you better be the first one to tell them about sexual morality and sexual immorality. Because if you don't, you'll leave a vacuum and these creeps will fill it with bad information. Satan loves vacuums. And whether it's history, theology, biblical history, archaeology, or even the coronavirus. If you don't educate your kids on things like this. Coronavirus, Bill Gates, prophecy—all these other things. There's gaps in their game, and they're, they grow up with these gaps. And man, someone will rush to it, and all of a sudden, you thought you were raising a Christian in your home, and they come back saying, "Mom, Dad, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in this Jesus thing." That's because of gaps. That's gaps. Speaking, and that's a serious deal. How important is information, the right information? It is king, and that's what God was trying to establish with Israel. The right information will come from the family unit who who identifies with the nation and creates Israeli patriotism in the nation, and the same would apply to America. Now let me show you a story of how right information, how important this is. And I'll bring it down to a familial level. There was a kid. He was a young kid, you know, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that neighborhood. And the parents had the grandparent living with them in the house. It was the the granddad. And and this granddad didn't have any arms. He he didn't have from the, the elbows down. He didn't have, you know, no hands, no forearms, nothing. So they had to feed him. The family had to feed him. And uh, anyway, they would make the boy, the little boy, seven, eight years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, feed the granddad at certain times. Okay? Well, they never told him all that went on with granddad. But they just told him, you need to feed granddad, it's time for his dinner, and the little boy would feed him. Well, the boy got older and older, and he got more resentful for having to spend time feeding his granddad because he would rather play video games. And and he this resentment kept building and building, and finally he would just start saying to his mom and dad, "I don't know why I have to do this. It's gross. I don't feel like doing this. And and uh, why don't you guys do it? I, I, I'd rather be texting my friends or playing video games. And this is ridiculous. This is this is nuts. I don't know why you're making me do this." And he would just pitch fits like that. Your kids ever pitch a fit like that, and they have no idea why they're they're doing it, and why why you're making them do that? Huh? like a very common occurrence. Sometimes you have to say because I said so, okay? Um, Which happens a lot. Uh, I don't have time to go into a a theological discussion with my child if they're disobeying. It's just like, hey, dude, I'm the authority. You're doing it. Anyway, I do digress. Um, The parent, the dad goes, you know what, I think it's finally time that since you're getting a little resentful and you're getting a little pouty about this, I'm going to tell you why we make you feed Grandpa. Okay, fine, tell me. It's going to be something stupid. And he goes, well, here's a story, dude. When you were a baby, Mom and I let you spend the night with Grandma and Grandpa. We went out to dinner, and things of that nature. And what happened at the house... Is that the house caught on fire where grandma and grandpa were at. Grandma died in that fire because of smoke inhalation. And you were with them. Grandpa was in the other room and the flames had engulfed the entire living room and the house and everything was coming down. It, it, it totally caught on fire and everything was just, it was just horrible, like the flames of hell. So grandpa was in the other room and he knew you were in the, the living room. So what Grandpa did is he busted through flames of fire to get to you. He grabbed you and held you and covered you by his arms, and his arms going through that fire getting you out of the house burnt his arms so bad as he was holding you, getting you out. They had to amputate Grandpa from his elbows because he was so badly burned In order to save your life. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that kid ever complained again about feeding grandpa? Not at all. It silenced the kid. And he was more willing to help grandpa now that he had realized that grandpa had saved his life. No more complaining. No more entitlement. You see how important the right information is when you get it to the child, what it does to them? The same is true spiritually. The right information to, about Jesus to this generation is what's going to save them. The wrong information that a lot of churches are doing, saying Jesus is a life enhancer, he's a buddy, he's your best friend, and all, all roads lead to heaven and Jesus is the only way, that wrong information sends people to hell. Right information, and their willingness to accept it, gets them saved. Our job in these last days is to get the right information out. Amen, let's pray.
0: Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church prophecy update where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.